Happy Thursday, everyone. I'm excited to be back with you again and to talk about a subject, a couple different things, actually, that I have learned about myself that has taken quite a bit of vulnerability and honesty with myself. And I'm excited to share with you today um, some things that I've learned. So first off, like I've promised, I would like to start out with a quote. And this quote goes along with what I'm going to share with you today. It's by Soren Kierkegaard. Life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. I love this quote because obviously I can't see clarity in my future. My future is so unknown. I know kind of what direction I want to take my life, but I have no idea what life is going to bring me in the future, where I'm going to be, and the decisions I'm going to make. I know roughly and generally the things that I want to do and the decisions I want to make depending on what's going to happen. However, I can definitely see clearly in the rearview mirror. So I've had to take the courage and the vulnerability to really pick apart my past, to look at myself honestly, and to see things the way they were, to really understand myself and the decisions I made, and to understand what I didn't know, and to learn from my past. So two things I wanted to talk with you all about or to share with you all about is my underdeveloped attributes. And at first I wanted to title that my weaknesses. However, it felt more true to title it my underdeveloped attributes. And then the other thing I wanted to talk about were and are my blind spots. Now, all of these things are a part of who I am, and I am grateful that I have underdeveloped attributes and I have blind spots because it's challenged me. It's helped me learn and grow. And as I said before, looking in the rear view, looking in the rear view mirror of my life, I can look back and see how those things have hurt past relationships and I can learn from it and I can apologize and I can do better. And I can learn from them and become a better person both to myself and people around me. One thing that I absolutely love in life is that there's forgiveness and there's do-overs. I love that I have the opportunity to try again, to do things over, to try and be better than I was in my past. So I'm going to dig into this and I hope that I hope that whoever chooses to listen can listen with an open mind and know that I am only speaking for myself here. I'm only speaking about myself here and no one else. And I take complete responsibility in all these things. All right, 
So I would like to start with my underdeveloped attributes. These have been challenges for me in learning how to love myself. All right, first and foremost, being a mom has been a struggle for me. There are moments when I do love being a mom and there is a lot of love that I have felt through it. But a lot of the time, I do not feel like it fills me up as a person. There's a lot of times that I struggle with knowing how to be a mom, how to raise my kids, how to discipline them, how to play with them. I struggle with that for many reasons. I have a mom who loves me tremendously and has been my best friend. However, the way that she raised me did not give me the opportunity to have a model in my life to teach me how to be really invested in my children. And I say that completely out of the kindness of my heart, but I have to talk in reality here. Because if I don't face reality with myself and with others, then I won't be able to understand why I am the way I am and then change who I am to become better. So being a mom is an underdeveloped attribute for me. And it's something that has challenged me. I've been a mom for almost 15 years. And it it has been a struggle at times. When I was a little girl, I thought that I wanted a lot of kids. A lot. Ten or more. You know, I loved the thought, the idea of being a mom. I had no idea how challenging it would be for me mentally and emotionally. And as soon as I started having kids, I relinquished the thought of having a lot of kids. All right, so the next underdeveloped attribute I have is self-sacrificing to the point that I put others first and I start and, and, and I prioritize myself at the bottom of that list. So putting others first and not knowing how to put myself first. I thought it was very counterintuitive to, to attend to my needs and then attend to everybody else's. I thought it was heroic to attend to my kids' needs and my spouse's needs and everybody else's, and then I just came last. And even in my needs that I knew I needed, I would make excuses. So that was very much an underdeveloped attribute of mine. I also have struggled with depression since I was 15 years old. That was the first time that I had 
had an episode of depression. And since then, I have uh, gone through periods of my life where I struggle with depression more than other times. But depression, I put it under the underdeveloped attributes because it's something that I have had to learn to live with that is a part of me that I have had to accept. And then also underdeveloped, another underdeveloped attribute of mine is having the courage to not rely completely on myself. I am very much have the personality of I need to be in control, I need to have control, and I've been too prideful to ask others for help. And in doing that, I really severely limited my resources in life, and I was scared to reach out and and ask for help. So I've had to really look at those things and work on those things. And at first, it was really counterintuitive to put myself first. Take care of me. Instead of waiting for other people to take care of me, I had to take care of myself first. Um, but I also had to learn what my blind spots were before I could, could develop these attributes and make them become stronger, help them become stronger. So here's where my blind spots come in. And I put this under the self-sabotaging category because these were sabotaging my ability to move forward in my life, to love myself, and to learn and grow. So one of my blind spots was making excuses. I would say, well, I can't do this because... A, I didn't have the time to fit it into my life, right? My kids came first. My spouse came first. Uh, church came first. You know, I put all these things first and I didn't have enough time for me. Or I'd say, oh, I don't have enough money. You know, I didn't have money to pay for a gym membership. I didn't have money to travel. I didn't have money to help people the way I wanted to help them. Another excuse was my kids, right? Like I have my kids and because of them, I can't do a lot of things. That's what I would tell myself. Or I would say because of my situation, right? It was always, well, I didn't live in the best of places or, um, you know, I didn't have the support I was needing, you know. So I was looking outside myself and making all these excuses depending on the things that were happening outside myself. I also was extremely codependent and I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that I had invested who I was based on how the other person felt about me or didn't feel about me. I needed them to need me. I needed them to take care of my needs instead of me taking care of my own needs. So I was very codependent. 
which then in turn put me in a victim mentality. Like, why me? If only they would, then I could type of thought pattern. I also learned through counseling that I had a lot of distortive thinking patterns. And I'll go into that in a little bit. Um, And I'll talk about the different distortive thinking patterns. But it was through counseling that I recognized how distorted these things that I was telling in my head myself. And I distorted my reality around me. I also put not managing my depression in my blind spot or self-sabotaging. You know, I thought depression happened to me. I didn't realize it was a part of me. And until I started to learn how to manage my depression and live with it and thrive with it, you know, I needed the education and the resources. But again, I was too prideful to ask for that help. And it wasn't until I finally asked for the help that I started to be able to manage it but it was a blind spot for me because when my depression got really bad I spiraled down and then I went inward in my head and the whole world looked bleak around me and I was not fun to be around because I wasn't happy so that in turn hurt my relationships around me. Again, like I said, not asking or seeking for help outside of myself, thinking that I could figure it out all myself. I was smart enough. I should be able to figure this out. Why aren't things changing? Maybe it's not me. Maybe it's everybody else around me that needs to change. I mean, these are the thoughts that I was having, right? Another blind spot was not eating healthy. Um, not exercising, using the excuses that maybe someday I'll get to that, you know, to the gym. Maybe someday I'll go on that run. Oh, maybe tomorrow I'll go today. I'm just too tired. You know, always putting it into the future and then making an excuse for the here and now. That self that that was sabotaging my physical body because I wasn't, I wasn't putting the excuses away and just go do it, Right. So that, that, yes, that day in the future became so far pushed in the future that it became months and then years before I started exercising again. A lot of negative self-talk. And that's something that I'm still recognizing about myself. And in turn, that sabotages my ability to connect with other people. When I talk so badly to myself about myself, I'm really hard on myself. I shame myself. I guilt myself for things that I do and think and not do. I'm again, like I said, I'm really hard on myself. And, you know, I was looking for somebody else to fix me. I was always looking for somebody else to change so that in turn, Things could be better for me. So there's my list of my underdeveloped attributes and my blind spots. Now, I wanted to talk a little bit about the cognitive distortions or the distorted thinking patterns. 
and share a little bit about after I was given this list, ways that I recognized in myself that I was doing this. So the first thing is the all or nothing thinking. You see things in black and white categories. If your performance falls short of perfect, you see yourself as a total failure. That was very much me. I was an all or nothing. And if I couldn't do it all, be it all, then I was a failure. And I mean, I had to see things through to completion, perfect, 100%. Overgeneralization is the next one. You see a single negative event as a never-ending pattern of defeat. So for me, this was... um, I could have, I could go to the grocery store, right? And then I could be walking around minding my own business and a person, I could accidentally bump into somebody and they'd say to me, you know, why didn't you watch out for me? You know, excuse you and, you know, just be having a bad day. And I could take that and I would internalize that. And then it would just make my whole entire day I would carry the attitude for the rest of my day and it would just look bleak and I just it would then set my the rest of my day up and if I would stub my toe after that I'd be like oh it's just because that event happened and I'm just having a bad day and it's just never going to get better. Uh, The next one is a mental filter. You pick out a single negative detail and dwell on it exclusively so that your vision of all reality becomes darkened. So I guess that's what this one would be. Like a drop of ink that discolors the entire beaker of water. So that would be where I have the bad moment and then the whole rest of my day gets darkened because of it. Um, The next one is disqualifying the positive. You reject positive experiences by insisting they don't count for some reason or another. You maintain a negative belief that is con- contradicted by your everyday experiences. So any positive thing that would happen to me, I'd just be like, oh, whatever. That was just the draw of the luck, but that's not going to happen again, right? I would just sit in this place of negative negative negativity and not even look at all the positive things you know when I was sharing with you the experience that I had in my room when I was crying and looking to ease my pain in my past experience that actually I was able to finally look back on my past experiences when I was in those experiences there was for me nothing good about it but looking back now I can look at it and say oh my goodness there was a lot of good there really was a lot of good about that situation but in the that moment I couldn't see it another one is jumping to conclusions you make a negative interpretation even though there are no definite facts that convincingly support your conclusion like mind reading you arbitrarily conclude that someone is reacting negatively to you and don't bother to check it out 
the fortune teller error. You anticipate that things will turn out badly and feel convinced that your prediction is an already established fact. So jumping to conclusions. I would do that a lot. I would not listen in conversations. I would already jump ahead to have a conversation while that person's talking and have a response to them because I already knew the end conclusion or so I thought I did. Um, Or if I thought somebody was being mean to me or mad at me instead of asking them, instead of clarifying it, instead of understanding it, I would just jump to the conclusion that they were upset with me, they didn't like me, they didn't want to be my friend. Another one is magnification or catastrophizing or minimizing. In this one, you exaggerate the importance of things such as your goof up or someone else's achievement. Or you inappropriately shrink things until they appear tiny, your own desirable qualities or the other fellow's imperfections. This is also called the binocular trick. So one little mess up, you could just catastrophize it. Oh my gosh, it's the end of the world, you know. I would do that a lot. Um, Another one is emotional reasoning. You assume that your negative emotions necessarily reflect the way things really are. I feel this, therefore it must be true. Now our feelings are very valid, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's reality or that it's truth. Another one is should statements. You try to motivate yourself with shoulds and shouldn'ts as if you had to be whipped and punished before you could be expected to do anything. Musts and oughts are all also offenders. The emotional consequence is guilt. When you direct should statements towards others, you feel anger, frustration, and resentment. So when I place a should on another person, they should be loving me this way. They should be responding this way to me. And they don't because I want to control it. Well, then because I find that I don't have control because they didn't react the way I thought they should. I became angry and frustrated and definitely a lot of resentment. I know better now. The only person I have control over is myself and no one else. And I don't want to try to control another person. And I definitely don't want to live with anger, frustration, and resentment. I lived there for far too long, way too many years. And instead of honoring that, you know, people, I was so miserable. But now I've learned to really honor and respect other people their personal feelings, thoughts, and opinions, and their choices, and love them for that, and respect them for that, and not try to change them. Two more is labeling and mislabeling and personalization. Labeling and mislabeling is the extreme form of overgeneralization. Instead of describing your error, you attach a negative label to yourself, such as, I'm such a loser. Uh, When someone else's behavior rubs you the wrong way, you attach a negative label to them. Man, he's awful. Uh, They're such a loser. Mislabeling involves describing an event with language that is highly colored and emotionally loaded. Okay, the last one, personalization. You see yourself as the cause of some negative external event for which, in fact, you were not primarily responsible. Boy, oh boy, when I got this list, 
I love the wisdom that my counselor had at this time. He just asked me if I'd ever read this list, if I ever knew anything about this list. And then he um, asked me to just take it and read it over. And he, he did not say that I had any of this. He just said, I would just like to share this with you. I just think this is great. And, you know, at first I looked it over really quickly and then didn't think another thing of it. But I've held on to it for all these years. I got this list, I want to say, eight years ago, eight or nine years ago. And through my journey as I've gotten As I've healed and I've become stronger and I've worked on myself, I've come to this list and I started to recognize, oh my gosh, yes, that was me or this is me. And holy moly, I need to step back. I need to stop what I'm doing because this is hurting me and everyone else around me. And so I'm so grateful for this list that he gave me of cognitive distortions So that's one of the resources I was given to see my blind spots. And I've been blessed to have friends in my life that have taught me um, and helped me along my journey on living with my depression and thriving. You know, I've, I've been on medications at different times and I take vitamin D and sunshine is my living water you know, and exercise. I do that for my physical and mental health. But I have this friend who taught me a long time ago to have a box where you put things in there that are life-giving to you. It could be a picture of a place that you want to travel to someday. It could be a little piece of candy that's your favorite candy. You know, it's like your, your box of of ways to build yourself up when you're feeling down and uh and that's that's always stuck with me you know that I need to not necessarily physically have a box per se with things that I go and pull out but through counseling and books and friends and support groups and and knowing myself and knowing where my underdeveloped attributes are and then asking for help I'm building this this box of wealth of knowledge of wisdom that I can tap into when I start recognizing these attributes that need to be strengthened or my blind spots when I'm able to recognize them and I can go to that box and be like okay I'm starting to feel about of depression so Instead of sinking into that or leaning into that depression, I say, okay, so what has helped in the past? What has worked in the past? So let's try that. Like, go take some vitamin D. Did I take my vitamin D for the day? Let's try the sunlight. If it's uh, the sun lamp in the winter and the sun, get outside and get some fresh air and sunlight. Even if it means getting in the car and driving because it's too cold. So I take the resources that I have been given and I apply them over and over again until I find something that works for me. Um, So these are things that I wanted to share with you all today. And I look forward to talking with you again next week. Um, 
I am going to talk with you all about what I've learned about boundaries and how I continue to learn about boundaries. So I hope to that you all will join me next week. And I hope you have a fabulous day.